0: Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week, I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the third season of my podcast, I dive deep into cognitive distortions, also known as negative thought patterns. Our cognitive distortions have a significant impact on our mental health we have the ability to rewire our brains by getting to the root cause of these negative thinking habits and instead build patterns of thinking that create joy. Each episode will have two parts, one where I break down the distortion, and the other where I give you an exercise to help you overcome. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now, let's jump into this week's episode.
1: Dear Dr. Ariana, I can't help but think I'm going to be fired. I work in finance. It's a high-octane, competitive, heavy work environment where people seem to drop like flies. I am always backlogged with work, often staying late and taking work home to get things done. It may be my paranoia, but I think people have been fired for less. I have not been reprimanded per se, But I am never praised and I've never been recognized for my contributions. And sometimes I feel like I'm being tolerated as opposed to an integral part of my team. And so I am constantly looking over my shoulder, waiting for the proverbial shoe to drop. I have this nagging feeling that any day now, my boss will call me in his office and let me go. This adds to the stress and I fear it is also contributing to what I'm thinking is average to below average productivity levels. Which only adds to the fear that I won't last long at this company. What can I do to combat these thought patterns and change my outlook for the better?
0: Catastrophizing is when you believe that what will happen will be so awful and so unbearable that you won't be able to stand it. It will be a catastrophe. I also like to call it awfulizing. When you catastrophize, you overestimate the probability of harm and you underestimate your ability to cope. When you catastrophize, you don't just worry about failing a test. Your mind goes down a rabbit hole of what will happen when you do fail. You'll fail the test and everyone will be disappointed in you, then you'll fail out of school, you'll end up working at a fast food joint, never have success in life, and die homeless on the street. Catastrophizing is about taking a difficult situation and making it horrible, unrecoverable, terrible, and awful. This cognitive distortion often starts with genuine setbacks, which are a normal part of life, but the thinking error takes that reality and convinces you that something horrible is bound to happen. It's often a reflection of our habitual response to the inevitable shortcomings of life and what you think about failure. If you have a repeated pattern of catastrophizing, it can lead to depression and anxiety. Catastrophizing, if you have anxiety, might look like predicting losing control of ourselves. Those with panic disorder will often think, If I go to the grocery store, I'm going to have a panic attack and it's going to be awful. As opposed to if I have a panic attack at the grocery store, it'll be very uncomfortable, but I've had them before and I'll get through it. If you have social anxiety, it might look like if I go to that party, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I might throw up. I might say something stupid and everyone's going to laugh at me. If you have generalized anxiety disorder. You might have constant worries or mental fantasies of awful things that could happen, like your partner having a car accident if you haven't heard from them in a while, or your kid's getting sick, or you losing your job. If you have PTSD, you might tell yourself that something awful will happen again if you're not hypervigilant, like being mugged or getting into an accident. In depression, it might look like, I will never be happy again. Life is destined to be awful until I die. Catastrophizing can actually create and then worsen depression. When we imagine a bleak future, our brains put out less serotonin and less dopamine, which are the happiness, pleasure, and motivation chemicals. Why be happy or hopeful when things are gonna be hopeless and dreary anyway? And giving in to these catastrophic thoughts results in withdrawal from life and lack of motivation. We all experience hard things in life. We catastrophize because we trick ourselves into thinking that if we predict the worst, we'll be prepared, and maybe we'll be able to prevent the dreaded thing from happening. But the irony is that we cut ourselves off from some potentially awesome opportunities, and sometimes we actually invite the exact problems that we want to avoid. For example, If you go into a conversation expecting someone is going to reject us or be mean or get defensive, we are going to act accordingly. So you might be more aloof. You might be harsher or more aggressive than you need to be. You might not even initiate conversation and avoid. And guess what? The other person will likely react to your behavior exactly as you predicted. If you don't ask your crush out so you can avoid all catastrophic thoughts that go through your brain, you will still end up alone on a Saturday night. Catastrophizing forces the brain to see threats and failures everywhere. Because of this, we respond in the fight, flight, or freeze response, which contributes to all of these anxiety disorders that we've been talking about. Because unfortunately, our brains cannot distinguish between real and imagined threats. The same adrenaline pathway is activated whether you're being yelled at and fired by your boss in front of your whole office or if it's a scenario you're just imagining in your head. When we imagine catastrophic scenarios our brain responds as if the threat were happening right now, including catastrophic visions of us losing our jobs, of our partners cheating on us or getting sick, you name it. These types of negative thought patterns, these what-ifs, if rehearsed, can lead to chronic anxiety, which is pretty destructive. And if in the wrong context or if left unchecked, uncontrolled or inappropriate adrenaline can cut off access to memories and logical thought processes. And that is a reason why panicked people don't make very good decisions. And sometimes if we're really too anxious about a presentation or a test or a competition, we actually won't perform very well. That's one of the reasons why it's important to work on our catastrophic thinking. Expecting the worst enables us to not even try. And instead, we might wallow in self-pity. It closes us off to opportunities and options that actually might work, and instead leads us to a sense of hopelessness and paralysis. So why do we engage in catastrophizing, given all of these things? Essentially, at the root of catastrophic thinking, fear and low self-esteem. You believe that you're incapable of handling hard things and imagine yourself helpless. Preparing for the worst is a coping strategy that prevents us from feeling uncomfortable feelings like risk or uncertainty. You will often do this for self-protection. If I expect to fail I won't be disappointed when it actually happens. If I reject my crush first I won't have to be rejected by them and feel awful about it. If you expect the worst, you won't be disappointed or caught off guard, and you'll be prepared for the letdown. And we think catastrophizing will protect us from sadness or worry, when in reality, rather than being prepared and not disappointed, we're just suffering in the waiting and already experiencing disappointment before it's already happened, because we're imagining it happening. When we imagine the worst, our body is reacting as if it were happening in the present, pumping out all of the appropriate stress hormones, which is definitely not good for you. Do you feel like your thoughts are often spiraling and hard to control? Is it hard to stop thinking negatively about your life? I get it, and I've helped many people like you recognize and overcome negative thought patterns, which allowed them to thrive. To help you in this process, I've developed a program called Power Thoughts. This program helps you understand how thoughts physically change your brain and then equips you with the tools to rewire your thinking. To find out more, click the link in my podcast description. As I mentioned, catastrophizing also justifies us not even trying. Because we feel hopeless, we're more likely to give up and not engage in life because what's the point? So it's self-reinforcing, and you're potentially creating the reality that you're so afraid of. It excuses our failure before we even put in any effort. We think that avoidance is much more comfortable than being vulnerable and putting our heart out there. Yes, it is more comfortable in the short run, but it takes all the joy out of life. Because a life well-lived is a life full of risk. Not risking means we don't experience failure, we also can't have success. We won't get rejected but in the end we're still alone. We also engage in catastrophizing because we believe that the best motivator is fear. If I imagine catastrophic scenarios that result in me failing the test, maybe I'll be motivated to perform well. But actually fear is not a great motivator. It makes us anxious and depressed and overwhelmed and less functional because we spiral into worry. Oftentimes, this pattern of catastrophizing has come from parents or caregivers that maybe try to use fear as a motivator to make us perform or behave when we were young. A dear patient of mine had a mother that catastrophized weight gain. And so she said that if she gained any weight, she would end up alone if she didn't take care of herself and all that kind of stuff. All this really did was create a lot of anxiety around food And a narrative that my patient would only be able to get a great partner if she looked a certain way. You also may have seen parents and caregivers who overreacted or panicked in stressful situations. Implicitly teaching you that number one, hard things are dangerous and you should freak out about them. And number two, that when hard things happened you were unsafe. Because the people who were supposed to be making you feel safe and reassured and protected couldn't handle them. Or your parents might also have been perfectionists who criticized you for every mistake, so little things turned into big things and you paid a high emotional price. And this thought pattern unfortunately can also develop from lived experience, like experiencing inconsistent caregiving or seeing a lot of the worst case scenarios actually come true. Like a sober alcoholic caregiver gets drunk again, a mother leaves the house, both parents lose their jobs. If you've seen trauma, you can imagine that it exists around every corner, and you see catastrophizing as a way of protecting yourself. And unfortunately, this means that when good things happen, you still tend to have an impending sense of doom that it's going to go wrong. What is amazing is that through neuroplasticity, we can slowly change these catastrophic narratives in our brain. Because your brain is plastic, as in, it's constantly changing and malleable. And because we're in the driver's seat of our thought life, we're actually able to change these structures and automatic patterns of thought for our good. The key to creating healthier patterns of thinking is by actively choosing what thoughts and perspectives we want to think on and focus on. And then, We want to rehearse it until these healthy neural networks in our brain become stronger and automatic. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. So when you're engaging in catastrophizing, we want to transform all that fear into courage. Uncertainty and risk are necessary to live a wholehearted life. To be healthy humans, we have to change our relationship to uncertainty and anxiety. Instead of labeling these feelings as bad, we can appreciate them for wanting to keep us safe, but then choose to behave according to values rather than react out of that anxiety and fear. Rather than saying, this is awful, we can say, This is just my catastrophic thinking. It's actually not truth, and it's not dangerous. It's hard, but I can handle it. Remember, courage is not the absence of fear, but deciding that something else is more important than that fear. Anxiety that comes with risk is normal. It's natural. It's actually helpful. We want to build up emotional muscles to experience uncomfortable emotions by doing something that scares you every day. This is called exposure therapy. It's actually a technique that we use in cognitive behavioral therapy when people have developed patterns of avoidance in response to anxiety. And it's impacting their life in a significant way. Exposure therapy is exactly what it sounds like. You expose yourself to the things that you fear, rather than run away from them. If we keep running away from things that are hard, we become emotionally and mentally flabby. Think about it like going to the gym. If you want to build muscles, you have to lift weights, which brings pain and discomfort. But as your muscles grow as a result of that pain, they become more resilient, larger, stronger, and better able to withstand heavier and heavier weights. Our mind and emotions operate in the same way. If we don't practice tolerating discomfort and experiencing it, we become flabby and we feel like we can't do hard things. The key is to actually experience things that are uncomfortable, to see that you can actually handle it, which increases our confidence that we're okay. We can totally handle hard things. So I want you to think about something that you can do every day or every week that makes you uncomfortable related to the things that you catastrophize about. It can be chatting to the barista at your local coffee shop. It can be sending a text to someone that you might have a crush on. It can be talking to someone new at a work happy hour or speaking up in a work meeting. Think about something every day or every week that takes you out of your comfort zone and practice flexing those muscles of courage. As you build up resilience, you'll see yourself doing harder and harder things. Yes, it might be stressful in the moment, but man, does it bring so much freedom. I still feel intense anxiety about so many things, but I know that I'm no longer ruled by my catastrophic thoughts. I can hear them, but I don't actually have to listen to them or operate according to them. And very importantly, I want you to track your progress so when your catastrophic thinking patterns hit, you have a place to remind yourself of all the hard things that you've been able to accomplish and do. Take this as a new mantra for your life. This might be hard. But I can handle it. As we transition into today's meditation, find a quiet place where you won't be disturbed for a few minutes. We've been talking about developing resilience in the face of catastrophic thinking and facing your fears, which may have been a little activating. So let's focus on calming the body. Whenever you're engaging in catastrophic thinking, you can come back to this exercise as a tool to overcome. So find a comfortable position to sit in with your hands in your lap, and close your eyes. Start to pay attention to your breath. Your lungs filling with air, stretching your chest. Deep breath in and out. Notice the cold air going in your nose and then warm air out through your mouth. Just focus on how your breath feels in your lungs and in your body for a few moments. to tell you the story of a young warrior. His teacher told him that he had to do battle with fear. He didn't want to do that. It seemed too aggressive. It was scary. It seemed unfriendly. But the teacher said he had better do it and gave instructions for the battle. The day arrived. The student warrior stood on one side and fear stood on the other. The warrior was feeling very small and fear was looking big and wrathful. The young warrior roused himself and went towards fear, prostrated three times and asked, may I have permission to go to battle with you? Fear said, thank you for showing me so much respect that you asked my permission. Then the young warrior said, how can I defeat you? Fear replied, my weapons are that I talk fast and I get very close to your face. Then you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say. If you don't do what I tell you, I have no power. You can listen to me and you can have respect for me. You can even be convinced by me. But if you don't do what I say, I have no power. In that way, the student warrior learned how to defeat fear. I want you to imagine something that you might have been catastrophizing about recently, or something that you usually catastrophize about. It could be about your performance at work or your boss, it could be about a financial situation, it could be about health or about a relationship. I want you to picture where you want to go in this area of your life. If you didn't have fear in this situation, what would you step into? What are your goals for this area? Where might fear hold you back? Picture it in front of you in your mind's eye. Now I want you to imagine fear as a monster. Or a fearsome warrior in your way. Picture that fear monster in front of you yelling all your scary catastrophic thoughts in your face. As it does that, you might feel familiar feelings of anxiety, maybe a tightness in your chest or heat in your head or your hands. Your heart might be faster But despite those feelings, I want you to picture yourself standing straight and tall and not budging your ground. Don't say anything in return, just stare it down. Watch as it yells, maybe waves its hands in the air, comes close, but it can't touch you. You are perfectly safe where you stand. It might circle around you, yelling, but you just stand firm, not taking your eyes off it. Eventually, I want you to notice that the fear is getting tired, maybe out of breath. It's seeing that it can't move you. So eventually it gives up and it slinks away. You're still there, safe and strong. You walk forward into the outcome that you want. Now bring yourself back to your body, to your breathing. Feel your lungs fill with air. And then deflating the air coming out of your nose or your mouth. Just focus on breathing in and breathing out. Come to the room you're in. Become aware, wiggle your toes, maybe stretch, and open your eyes. Remember, catastrophic thoughts are just that. Thoughts or electrical impulses in your brain. Their content is your own creation. The fear they elicit isn't a tangible real thing. It's just a feeling that you're feeling. It may be strong and uncomfortable. But you don't have to listen to it.